Hey everybody, it's Kenzie from Kenzie's Bible Study Podcast, the girl behind the post-it notes. Today on the show, we just changed it up a little bit. I got to share with our young adult group at Praise uh, about um, classic Bible story of Jacob and Leah and Rachel. And so the first part of the episode is going to be uh, my talk with them. And then I pause the recording so uh, that we don't record what the discussion time with that small group was, but rather we get Bailey back in studio and talk through those discussion questions. So enjoy this episode that's fun and special and um, be sure to catch the discussion at the end. Thanks. If you don't know me, I'm Mackenzie uh, and I go here to Brace. I'm on the speaking team and I Around the house next door, it's a girl's house, and several of them exist in this space right now. So, um, we're going through, it sounds like, and if I'm going to get this right, we're going through a series on just some classic Bible stories, which is so awesome, and I love, I just love that, because uh, I love this book so much, and I love talking to you guys, because I feel like this is the time to start creating those habits, that I love that last song about building your life on his word and it's your foundation and this book is just part of your foundation it's really really important to be there and I will never forget a college pastor of mine that said um, this is the most time you'll ever have and it feels like you don't but you do and so if you start creating this thank you I'm on the other side of that and so I think if you start creating a habit of um, getting into this book, it, I promise you that it will change your life. Um, and I'm really excited to be in the Old Testament tonight because um, this is a safe place. So by a show of hands, how many of you have ever felt intimidated by reading the Old Testament, Testament particularly? I can raise my hand because I have also felt that. I actually remember um, I was like in college and I was wanting to read the Old Testament. I just didn't even know how to, where to start or how to read it or how to read my Bible at all. And I remember like emailing some guy that was like, he wasn't even a pastor, but he was a popular Christian at the time. Jeff Bethke, who was not as popular as he is now, but, um, and be like, how do you read the Old Testament? And I never heard back from him. He was too popular by then, but <laughs> it's true. And I'm excited about it because, um, the thing I love about the Old Testament, and I know a lot of people focus on the New Testament and there's a, a good reason for that, but the Old Testament I love because there's all these people who are so real, um, that are really relatable. And sometimes I'm in life and I'm like, Oh, am I the only person that's ever experienced this feeling? And the answer is no. Um, and so you'll see all these different people throughout the Old Testament and this drumbeat of the Old Testament of us trying to figure it out without seeing the lens of Jesus or seeing God through the lens of Jesus. And then all of a sudden Jesus comes and we get it. Um, but God doesn't, give up on his people and we just see how broken we are in this and so I love it because it's relatable all that to say um tonight we're going to be in Genesis and I'm going to actually talk through like several chapters but I'll tell you when I actually read part of the scripture um because I want to talk about Jacob and his wives yes wives um Leah and Rachel um he also had two other wives who were their handmaidens but we'll get to that but um, Jacob, if you don't have much history with scripture, um, is the grandson of Abraham, who's a pretty well-known guy in, in the Bible. And I don't know how, what things we've already gone through, but 
Uh, maybe we'll get to Abraham if we haven't. Um, but Jacob, literally from birth, was not the best dude. His name literally means heel snatcher. Um, he was a deceiver. He deceives his brother. There's a lot of sibling rivalry. Um, and it's important to know like some of his history because it then informs how he parents and how he um, has a family and how he treats his relationships um, and how true is that of us as well that um, if we're not careful or if we are careful because we had great family upbringings or not so great, we have to pay attention to how we carry on things generationally. And Jacob definitely falls privy to that. So basically where I'm going to pick up in the story tonight is um, Jacob um, is with his parents and they're like, hey, we want you to get married. And Rebecca, his mom, is like, not one of these Canaanite women. I want you to marry somebody's our race, that kind of stuff. I'm not going to unpack all of that. But so they send him off somewhere else and they're like, hey, we have this guy, Uncle Laban, and you're going to go visit him and see if you can find a wife there. Um, see if you can find love. And so, which is great, love. We want to talk about that. It's February. Um, so he travels and he gets to this place and he's like, okay, hey, have you heard of my Uncle Laban? They're like, yeah, he's over here. And so he goes and meets Rachel. Va va voom, Rachel is a cutie and a half. And so he like is like instantly in love. Um, he like literally in, in the verse, it says that he, um, kisses Rachel and then he, um, cries with joy. He's just so happy. Um, love at first sight has never been truer than Jacob. (laughs) And then, then it shows, it tells us in verse 17, this is in Genesis 29 in verse 17, it, it mentions like Rachel, she's awesome, super cute. Uh, but she also has this sister named Leah and they call her that she has tender eyes, um, which, or another translation says, um, that she didn't have any sparkle in her eyes. Um, and some people are like, oh, you know, just like, she had had a great personality, you know, but really what they're trying to say is the contrast is, and, and, and Rachel says she had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. So they're making a real big contrast that, um, Rachel's the super hot one and Leah's not. Um, unfortunately, poor Leah, you guys. Um, so Jacob meets Laban and he's like, uh, I am in love with your daughter. Um, can I marry her? And he says, work for me for seven years and you can have her. And so he does. And it says in the scripture that, um, his love was so strong that seven years felt like just a few days and it just went by so fast. And, um, then wedding day happens. And this is where we're going to pick up a little bit here. Um, in chapter 29, um, I'm going to start in verse 22. And I'm in the New King James, so if you're in something else, that's okay. Um, but it says, And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. Now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. So he marries her basically she's super veiled up he doesn't know that it's not rachel went into her means they had sex they consummated their marriage and um then the next day in verse 25 so it came to pass in the morning behold it was leah surprise you didn't marry rachel and um so jacob's not super happy poor leah um and said to laban what is this you have done to me 
Was it not for Rachel that I served you? What then, why then have you deceived me? And Laban said, it must not be done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. So basically he's like, oh, you don't know our traditions. Actually, I'm not allowed to have you marry Rachel until I marry off my older daughter, Leah. Uh, but if you want, you can work for another seven years and I'll throw Rachel into the deal. And so he's like, okay, I'll do it. I love Rachel. So he does it and he works another seven years. Then he marries her um, and they're still there. And so then, I mean, just think about Leah's situation here. I mean, first, I don't want to stereotype gender, but for a lot of girls when they're little, they dream about what it's like to be married and have a family, things like that. And even in these days, I bet there was some sort of dream about what your life might look like. And I'm fairly certain that Leah's dream plan for her life did not look like marrying somebody who actually wanted to be married to your sister. And so in verse 31, it says that the Lord saw that Leah was unloved. And so he opened her womb, um, but Rachel was barren. So in this really heartbreaking circumstance, God says, I'm going to bless you in this. And you're going to be able to have kids. Rachel's not. And um, so Leah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Reuben. For she said, the Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. And Reuben um, means look, a son. Um, and so she's, you'll see she's going to have a series of sons. And what she's really trying to do is, like, she's trying to earn her husband's love. Um, and she names them. It's just so interesting. I love names in the scripture. They're so telling of a lot of things. So she says, look, a son. Like, Jacob, look, a son. I gave you a son. Now you have to love me. And that's just not what happened. So then she has another son in verse 33. Because the Lord has heard that I'm unloved. And therefore, he's given me another son. And she named him Simeon. And Simeon means one who hears. And so God heard me. It's like, God, did you hear me? That first time didn't work, but let's try again. Because Jacob still doesn't love me. And there's a scripture, I miss where it is, but it's, it says, Jacob loved Rachel more than he loved Leah. And just like, what a wretched feeling that must be. So then she has another son. How exhausting. I mean, physically, too. Um, she has another son, um, and his name, it says, Now this time my husband will become attached to me, um, because Levi is her next son, and his name was attached, or feel affection is what it means. So now he'll want to be with me. Not only will he love me, but he'll want to be with me more than my sister. And that still is just not what happened. And finally, in verse 35, the last verse of that chapter, it says she conceived again, number four, and had another son. And she says, now I will praise the Lord. And so she, in this moment, is like, I just give up trying to manipulate my situation. I just, I'm trying to find peace and contentment. And I'm just going to praise God for what I have. And then so she names her son Judah, which means praise. 
And one thing that I love about this, and I'm going to skip ahead for just a second because I think it's so important, is that when she has Judah and she says, I will praise the Lord now, Judah is where the lineage of Jesus comes from. And that's so beautiful that when she rests in God, he's like, that's the one. That's the one I want my line to come through. And I think that's stunning. And, um, and that's where, like, 1 Timothy 6, 6, godliness with uh, contentment is great, is great game. And um, so all this time is happening, and Leah's going through this heart-wrenching process. Um, at the same time, Rachel is raged with jealousy. And don't you find it interesting that Jacob, who had um, his own sibling rivalry and issues with Esau, then steps in to his own relationships in marriage into another sibling rivalry and just fuels the fire. Um, And so Rachel is so upset with jealousy. And she, in verse 1 of chapter 30, uh, demands children. She says, give me children or else I will die. Uh, Interestingly enough, she does have some children and, and she does die from childbirth so she has children and so now they go into this like children having competition it's really strange and it's like Jacob's over here like hashtag women I don't know and and so at first but so Rachel doesn't have children right away she's like I can't have children so like I need to compete with my sister so Jacob here's my maidservant you can have her and have some kids. And so she has, so the maidservant has two sons um, that literally mean he judged and my struggle. And then, um, and they just go back and forth. It's, don't you know, comparison really is the thief of joy and we see it here. And so verse eight, um, he, (laughs) basically she's like struggling with her sister and she's like thinking she's winning Verse 9, when Leah saw that she had stopped bearing, she took her maidservant and says, let's throw her into the mix. And what I, what I love about this is that the thing that's so relatable to me is that Leah has this moment where she has Judah and she's like, I feel content in God. And then it's like a few verses later, she's like discontent again. And how relatable is it? It's not like we go through this journey and then we've like hit the mountaintop and we're done. We're not. We just like stumble back and then we climb our way back and then we stumble again. And, and that's what I love about Leah is that she um, finds contentment. She struggles with it still, um, which is so human. Um, and so Leah gets hers and they have another two sons. There's just kids everywhere. <laughs> this is insane. Now, now Jacob has four wives. Like, do you see just the destruction of a family? I, I imagine, I work with children. I can't imagine working with this family. Honestly, it would be a nightmare. Um, and so in verse, skipping ahead to verse 15, um, she said to her, is it a small matter? She says to her, to, um, it's a Rachel to Leah, is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband? You've stolen him. Leah had no choice in this, you guys. You have stolen him. And um, would you 
take away my son's mandrakes also because there was this issue with the sons and the fields and all this stuff basically there's just so much tension and they're, they're like basically here they're buying time and sex with their husband from each other I mean it's super messed up um but when we when we allow those things into our lives we slip into things that we just never thought were us and so that's really hard and so she has more kids so then she her womb opens back up she has more kids she's like now he will treat me with respect and she has she's like i've given him six sons and she has a daughter named dinah which means judgment um and so finally rachel gets pregnant has a son named joseph who you might know about Jacob makes a ton of money. There's all this stuff. Their family moves around a lot, but it's this ongoing thing. But what I love about Leah is that even though she struggles, she has these moments where she comes back to the Lord. And I think that's so important for us, like in those moments that when we're so hurt, we can move towards destruction or we can move back to the Lord. And if I skip ahead to the end um, of more of their story in Genesis 49, um, Jacob is blessing his sons and, and both of his wives have died and they're buried in different places. And in the end of the story, he says, bury me with Leah. And I find that so beautiful that, that through all of it, he ends up, his heart shifts towards Leah, who was the unloved and unwanted one. And so it's a, it's just a crazy story, but I think um, what I pull away most from it is this that feeling of what do we do when we're super disappointed, when life isn't turning out the way we want it to, um, when we're feeling unloved or unwanted. And um, so we're going to move into just some time where we're going to have some time to discuss. And I So we're going to move into discussion about what we chatted about at Young Adults. And Bailey, you were there. Yeah. I'm um, talking about, we've been going through classic Bible stories. We have a lot of folk who just don't really know a lot of the classic Bible stories. And I think that's actually true of a lot of this generation that's coming up, mm-hmm. including mine as a millennial. Um, we're pretty biblically illiterate. Would you agree? I would agree with that why do you why do you think that is what have we missed oh gosh I mean that could be due to a lot of different things but I mean really it's what it's what's made important and I think something that might have contributed to that is the idea that your truth is your truth and someone Mm. else's truth is someone else's truth and the Bible is pretty clear on mm. what is truth. And mm-hmm. so people are very easily offended. And so I think sometimes we um, were too scared to be honest with people and to say, you know, it's not just my opinion, but like, this is what right. God says. Um, and so that can definitely be like a point of contention for people. And so to avoid that because our generation, I think is so afraid of offending people because that's seen as not being loving Mm-hmm. that we don't want to point to scripture. We don't want to know right. scripture. And we're also scared of the truth as well, right. I think. Um, 
that. Yeah, I think too, like, we're not, I think maybe, I haven't been much in kids ministry world, but I feel like kids ministry has shifted a lot since it was very, very simple when I was younger. Mm. Um, And I didn't really fully go through that. I got, I started going to church um, as an older kid. Mm -hmm. So I was about to go into like middle school stuff. Um, I was in fourth grade when I first started coming to church. So still definitely a kid. Um, But so the last couple of years that I was there, it was very simple. I mean, like we had like this old sweet woman. Her name was Florence. Oh. Um, I'm not sure like what <laughs> illness she had gone through. But she was old, like really. I mean, she wore a wig that was very clearly a wig. Yeah. You know. <laughs> and sweet Florence, our Bible school teacher, um, literally still used the flannel graph. And so, like, those classic Bible stories were still taught. And I wonder now with technology, I don't know. There's just, like, a lot of factors. I wonder what it, it does. Did kids' ministry change? I think also there's mm-hmm. generations of adults who never learned it either. And yeah. we're just, I think when I opened up this discussion, not the discussion part, but the story in general of, of Jacob and Leah and Rachel, when I one of the questions I asked was, how many people have ever felt intimidated by reading this book? Yeah. Um, about reading the Bible. And everybody nodded their head because there somehow, somewhere, there became this idea that it was really overwhelming um, to understand. Mm-hmm. And you had to be a scholar, really, biblically, to yeah. understand scripture. And I'm not really sure where that came from, but I know that in particular, um, Old Testament is very can look very intimidating. Yeah. Um, and I think some of that has to do with the language. And luckily for us, we live in a time where we there's so many translations that help us understand it. Um, I still read out of a New King James, but I definitely cross reference and look at other versions like the message or even uh, the passion translation which isn't fully complete but Mm -hmm. just to get some like perspective of what some of the things mean Um, but I know that that can be really intimidating and so um, we've been going through this series and it's been kind of cool and I'm kind of in and out um, but love I love that age group young adults I am just a senior of young adults <laughs> moving on out this year of young adults in moving my opinion <laughs> to middle adult am I gonna be a middle adult this say, year? I feel like you're just like full-fledged adult I mean yeah you're not a young adult you're just I try. adult thank you I really appreciate that I don't have to be middle adult <laughs> yeah you're welcome <laughs> no I feel old all the time being around college students but I love speaking to um them because I don't know, it's just fun. It's it's a lot more free mm-hmm. uh flowing and Bailey and I were discussing just how I speak just slightly differently. I also was not prepared at all. I just kinda threw it together. <laughs> it was just a story that I knew pretty well. It but... was amazing though. Oh thank really you. Good. That's so kind. Um so we're gonna I didn't wanna share the recording of what people shared in the group. Um mm-hmm. but we do have a, a time for discussion within the group. We've got about 12 or 15 people that were there, um, just in a small setting, super sweet and intimate. 
um, where we got to kind of share our hearts and Mm -hmm. um, a lot of discussion around some really difficult topics. So I figured we'd kind of just, Bailey and I go through some of those questions that we chatted with as a group and I'd encourage anybody listening to kind of think through these questions, maybe grab a friend and talk through some of these with Mm -hmm. them. But um, as it kind of wrapped up, what we really saw a big theme of in the story of Leah and Rachel and Jacob was just the idea of what do we do with disappointment? What do we do mm-hmm. when things do not turn out the way that our heart truly wanted them to? Um, or we're in the middle of it and we don't know how it's going to turn out. Sometimes that looking pretty bleak and being without a lot of hope. And so have you have you felt like that feeling like Leah had of feeling not good enough or unloved, unwanted, like there's got to be something wrong with me. Yeah. I mean, I I definitely have in a lot of realms. I feel like that is like, it's one of the key messages that the enemy uses against me mm-hmm. to make me feel isolated. Yeah. Is like, is that I'm unloved and unwanted and being an Enneagram too, that's like truly my biggest fear in life that mm-hmm. I would be unloved um, and not wanted there. So, yeah. um, and that there's something wrong with me that I could fix something. Um, if you, have you ever had that thought though that if you could just change that one thing about yourself or your about your life, that then people would love and respect you. Um, and in the group we did a one word whip, but Bailey, you and I can kind of discuss What's just like one thing that you've thought that if I could just change that one thing, mm. I would just maybe get what my heart really desired? Yeah, I would say for me, um, in just kind of a general sense, I think my skepticism really mm. gets in the way um, sometimes of some things that I want. Um, and I, I often tell myself that, you know, if I was more trusting of people and that if I wasn't replaying, you know, why I shouldn't trust that person and why I shouldn't let them know things about me, um, if I could just stop doing that, then I would have whatever it is I want. Um, and that skepticism mm. comes in so many different forms. It comes in comes into play in my job it comes into play in my um, dating relationships it comes into play in my friendships just really in every aspect of my life that's definitely one of the things I tell myself that yeah if I could change that then you know I'd be flourishing I'd be doing so much better in xyz things it feels so stuck sometimes because especially when it's a personality Mm -hmm. trait and of course like there are things that you can work on in regards to our personalities but that's a really hard one to feel stuck in definitely (laughs) to just be like oh if I just changed my whole personality yeah I would have something you know um I feel like for me probably the one that has weighed on me the most uh is just my physical appearance Mm. um that uh in my heart of hearts the message that I hear is that if I was just skinny enough then I would have um and it's not just that I would have like a relationship because that's the one that often comes it's like oh well like then boys will pay attention to me or then I'll get asked out more or whatever Mm -hmm. um 
and and you've really experienced the other end of that how that works but yeah. but it's also I feel have felt the feeling of not being taken seriously enough because mm-hmm. I don't look a certain way sure and uh, often feel kind of uncomfortable in my own skin and then I go through waves of that I feel like sometimes I'm like so solid and doing super well and sometimes it's just really hard and but I I do have that thought that just the one thing if I was just skinnier and and we know that's that that one thing doesn't always change the stuff right I mean oh you had that experience right yeah I did I lost a bunch of weight and I thought by losing a bunch of weight that I was going to, again, it's one of those things where I told myself the exact same thing. If I was just thinner, then I was going to get this attention. I was going to be in, you know, a loving relationship. I was going to be closer to people. Um, But that time came where I was a lot thinner and, you know, people were, you know, reaching out to me and the only thing that I really encountered was more skepticism Mm. and more mistrust. And so I had to deal with that in a completely different way. So yeah. Yeah. um, And then attention that you really didn't want. No. And that, that was funny too, is, you know, the thing that I really thought that I wanted, um, brought up this huge amount of anxiety and insecurity within Mm -hmm. myself because I had never received attention Mm-hmm. Like that, and it really scared me right. a lot. So I definitely right. can relate to that. And you didn't really, I would say, like, you know, I watched some of it happen, and you really felt so lost of how to respond to that with yeah. kindness, <laughs> but also, you know, you don't want to date every boy that asks for your number. No. And you don't even want to give them your number. No. You know, you want to feel permission to just say, hey, I'm really flattered, but. I don't see this going anywhere, but, you know, I, you know, I'm just flattered. Mm-hmm. And that, just yeah. that be that. But I don't always feel permission to do that depending on how somebody pursues me. And it's it's really just my, my inner dialogue telling me that I, I'm not allowed to do that because it's, right. it's rude. But right. So we all have those messages yes. where we have, like, that one thing. Man, the heat keeps coming back on. <laughs> it sounds really loud. If, if you hear the heat, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyways but there is like that just feeling of if I just could change that one thing but really that story shows even if that one thing changes it's not it's really not that no grass is not always greener on the other side so true so in that story with Leah and Rachel and Jacob Leah really responded to her disappointment to the things that she really desperately wanted out of her heart which was she just wanted to be loved mm. and for her husband to yeah. take her seriously and love her and want to be with her, which is just not a lot to ask for from your spouse. But nope. when you get into it the way that unfortunately she did and that wasn't her fault, um, you know, how do you deal with your disappointment? And so she responded out of a lot of different really unhealthy ways at first. Mm. I mean, she's just... She's popping out babies like nobody's Seriously. business. And, and, and sons, to too. So boys. Boys. Like, and I wonder, I almost wonder, like, <laughs> was she having more kids, but they just don't know when they have girls? Because, I don't know. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but she responded with manipulation and mm-hmm. jealousy, unhealthy competition with her sister, That's Rachel. Comparison. Yeah, probably blame too. So there's a lot of different ways that we respond to 
this kind of disappointment, feeling unloved, and really we're just trying to cope with the disappointment. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes it's really unhealthy, so it can be something like blame, withdraw, unhealthy competition or performing, perfectionism, anger or rage, manipulation, control, just like working that magic to kind of get the thing that you want, comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is it, what would you say is your natural response when hope feels like it's growing dim and about the thing that your heart just desperately wants? Not like what you should mm-hmm. respond with, but what naturally comes out of your heart? I think what naturally comes out of my heart is uh, definitely comparison. I I mean, I heard the quote all growing up that, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. Mm-hmm. And that was definitely, um, that's definitely my go-to when I'm feeling discouraged is I'm looking at everybody else around me and telling myself, well, you know, I would step into that, but that person is already so good at that. I don't mm. I don't even want to touch it. I don't want to go near it. Like I'm not worthy of that. Yeah. Um or you know the spin on that is I I feel like I'm better mm. at something than somebody so I get prideful. The pride. Yeah. Yeah. So it it totally depends, but yeah, I would say when I'm feeling pretty hopeless, it it tends to be a um self-deprecating thing, but it mm-hmm. usually stems from my outside contributing to that feeling saying like oh these people are equipped to do that but not me Mm -hmm. that's not my yeah that's not my thing and you get stuck in your head a lot yeah I I replay that in my head a lot does that cause you like behaviorally if I were to see you on the outside going through that um process Mm -hmm. and what that looks like what does that look like withdraw what does that look like I would say if you're close to me, it looks like me talking for a long time about the same thing. (laughs) Um, And that's usually a sign of like, whoa, I'm really stuck in something. And Mm -hmm. like if I'm in a conversation and someone's trying to move on, like I have a really, really hard time leaving that thought because for me, it's so loud in my head and it's Mm. so there and I can't just ignore it. Mm -hmm. I'm working on that through other methods of processing because right. I don't I don't totally love that. Um, but if I don't know you and I'm not, you know, I'm not very close to you. I mean, honestly, I I don't know if that necessarily looks like anything. I may withdraw. That probably would yeah. be my guess. But if I'm close to you, it's just it's talking a lot. Yeah. Just like the reel of anxiety. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I'm I'm looking for somebody to um oftentimes validate or invalidate because sometimes I need that too. I need somebody mm-hmm. to say, Hey, I, I so, see that yeah. you feel that way, but you need to like knock it off. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm I'm super receptive to that. If you're close to me, then mm-hmm. I'm I'm very receptive to that and I tend to listen to that, but um yeah. Yeah. I'd say that that tends to be my my method of mm-hmm. dealing with that hopeless feeling is mm-hmm. I need to talk about it for three hours. Yeah. <laughs> and with people that don't know you, it would probably just look like putting on that front. Yeah. Make sure that you still like look like you have it all together and like you're fine. Yup. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I feel like for me, I definitely, I kind of, probably all of them in different ways, but the one I lean towards most is manipulation. Mm-hmm. I would tend to try to control mm -hmm. like yeah i know yeah (laughs) 
gosh, Mackenzie, I've seen it happen all the time. Okay, wow, hold out. I don't deal with criticism. Wow. (laughs) Um, But I definitely do tend towards that manipulation, and I hate the word manipulation because. It makes me feel like I come out of a really it terrible seems heart. evil. It seems evil, but it really is evil, though. It gets control. <laughs> it's just so evil. I'm actually an evil person. It's like, I actually <laughs> manipulate people. <laughs> I mean, though, like, I hate to say this about myself, but I do. Mm-hmm. I just do. And, like, the manipulation tends to look like making you feel bad enough until you do the thing that I want you to do. Uh-huh. And so, like, if I'm upset with you, I will manipulate that situation just in my unhealthiest state. Like, mm. this isn't... <laughs> I'm not always constantly manipulating people. But really? it also looks like, <laughs> you know, like, I'm trying to um, work my magic. I'm trying to conjure up situations to occur mm. and take control of situations rather than really trusting in the Lord that he's going to orchestrate things. So, like, especially in college when I was, like, super into this boy that I was, it was dumb. But, you know, we've all been there. But, like, I would purposefully put myself in places that I knew he was going to be Mm -hmm. because I just felt like, you know, maybe God needs a little help here. (laughs) You know? Maybe he's not getting Maybe he just didn't get it. So I will just take control (laughs) into my own hands and just put myself in that situation where he's going to be around and then he's going to have to talk to yeah. me and then we're going to be fine. And just let me tell you how terribly that worked out every single time where like I would, you know, like drive by the house or like I'm just a stalker. What is wrong with me? But, <laughs> but like, I mean, manipulation, stalking, it kind of goes hand in hand. Well, this is really stalking. vulnerable. <laughs> But I hope someone understands that situation. But, you know, it also, you know, for me, can look like withdrawal. It can Mm -hmm. look like blame. I do have struggles with anger and pride, um, perfectionism. It just depends on... I think I respond differently. (laughs) I'll use any of these, (laughs) depending on what what the heartbreak is. Mm -hmm. You know, like if it's about relationships... It tends to be manipulation or control mm-hmm. um, if it has to do with um, just like, I don't know, another disappointing thing. It could it could look like something different. Sure. I think it changes, but my home base for sure is control. Mm. Control. So with, with Leah in the story, it leaves her just exhausted. I mean, physically exhausted. How many babies, man? Girl. Physically exhausted. <laughs> Just trying to manipulate Jacob for his love. Mm. Like, I so relate to her in that regard. I'd be like, I'm doing everything in my power to make sure that my husband loves me and he's still not loving me. Like, mm. And then I, if it didn't work, I'd probably move into blame. Like, this is his fault and I'd be angry. And, like, if anybody knows me when I'm upset about something, you just know it and it's... <laughs> it's palpable. I'm. You can feel it. I'm mean. In Gosh, <laughs> in my most unhealthy states, I am mean. I would say, and this is totally not to like expose you, Thank but like this, <laughs> I would. Say, it just looks more of like a, um, like a withdraw to the point of, it's in it's intentionally like I want you to notice me because I want you to keep asking how I'm doing because it's validating that like, I'm loved. 
Yeah. And, like, that you want to know what's wrong with me. It's like my grown-up version of a temper tantrum, you know? Like, when kids throw themselves on the floor in the middle of the grocery store because they, they want, want you to is ask the candy. what's wrong, what's wrong, what's yeah. wrong. Or they're just weird. tired. Yeah. You know? That's weird. And so, like, all I want is the candy, <laughs> but it's not really what I want. I just want someone to care. Yep. Enough to push through the temper tantrum. Yeah. I'm working on the temper tantrum, okay? Sure. No, I mean, <laughs> but, we all have our own version of what that looks oh, we like. Do. It's, I mean, that's, that's why it's so like interesting. you're so mad and like Thank anybody you. who doesn't do Just that is. Rip my heart out great. on the table here. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's why it's so interesting to work with the kids that we work with mm-hmm. because, I mean, they just have zero emotional regulation. Yeah. No. And, um, big temper tantrums about small things and sometimes I'm like you're being so ridiculous and I honestly think God would look at us in that way sometimes like this is ridiculous please pick yourself up off the floor and get over this tiny little thing that did not go your way sure there's just such a bigger picture there are other people that exist Mm. (laughs) you know but luckily God has a lot more grace and tolerance for me than I have for other people um, so she just gets exhausted trying to manipulate for love. Uh, what, when do you feel like is a time that you've kind of come to the end of your rope? Cause, cause Leah ends up, she does this a few times, but particularly the time that we see is that she has Judah and Judah means praise. And she says, now I will praise the Lord. Yeah. And she's just kind of come to the end of her rope of trying to force Jacob's love through any of her manipulations when when do you feel like is the time you've come to the end of yours and said okay god i'm just i'm done trying to manipulate that or control that or um i mean i think i still battle it sometimes and work is such a huge part of my life and i really love what i do so tends to be where my examples stem from um but even just um, on Friday, I had a situation in which I was so impatient because the day had just really worn me out. Um, mm-hmm. I was not praying, was not consulting God about any of the things I was supposed to be doing. And um, it really took a toll on me. And I was very short. I was very angry. Um, I was in a reading group where... This little girl was um, saying some pretty rude, disrespectful things to me. And I Mm -hmm. I snapped at her and um, I took a moment as, I mean, she just completely stonewalled me. She just, I mean, didn't even, she looked like she just didn't even care um, that I was super angry. And that just made me more angry. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So I'm sitting in my chair just thinking to myself, God, God, I, I don't know. I don't even know. I literally need you to inhabit my body right now and help me to figure this out because I just don't know how to do this. And, you know, long story short, this girl ended up having some problems with some other girls and she bawled in a chair Mm -hmm. um, because God had asked me to apologize to Mm -hmm. her. And that was really hard for me because my first thought was, I don't want to apologize to an Mm -hmm. eight-year-old. That's not, (laughs) I don't want to do that. Um, but he was like, girl, he's like, you will humble yourself and you will do this and it is going to just give you freedom. And that, I don't know, that's just one example, but that happens a lot. Yeah. At my job. I feel like probably my biggest example is the, um, 
What I love about Leah is that she doesn't just come to the mountaintop experience with God and is like, now we'll praise the Lord. And then just like everything's fine and she's just so content. Mm. Um, but rather she has this season of feeling really content. And then she, you see a while later that she's then competing again with Rachel and she's struggling with it again. Yeah. And I feel so related so to that. relatable. Yeah, it's so relatable because I feel like I do that. But I feel like I really... I don't know if it was a specific moment, but in regards to like romantic relationships and being married or any of the future with that, I feel like it was probably in the last couple of years that I really felt like, okay, God, I'm just, I, I'm just not even going to worry about this right now. I'm just done trying to figure it out and trying to, I would try to guess what was going to happen. And I just, I got real stuck in my thinking and obsessive about the idea of relationship and what it would look like to be married and walk through that. And it wasn't happening and nothing ever worked out. And, um, I would have bouts of it, of this feeling of like, I'm good, God, kind of over the years. Um, but just, a couple of years ago just I and again I don't think it was a specific moment I think I just got exhausted enough yeah and also I feel like part of it was um that God shifted what I was doing and I felt a lot more purpose especially since taking on the role of house mom for the Harriet house I feel like I have a lot of purpose Mm. and I'm walking in a calling um, that feels really fitted and right. And there's just nothing like the feeling of walking in your calling. Yeah. And uh, I think when I am truly embracing that and realizing that, uh, I don't even think about being married. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I did say when I first took the position of house mom I just kind of made an ultimatum with God of like I'll be here and I'll, I'm gonna just be in this house until you bring me a husband and like you know don't make ultimatums with God but um <laughs> I might just be in this house forever but I'm also kind of I think God has just made me okay he's just shown me that even if I never do that there is so much more than that yeah. Like, there's nothing wrong with being married, and if you're married and want to be married, you know, we've talked about that before and how that's an amazing ministry. And at the same time, I feel like God has really showed me in this season, especially with the Harriet House, of how much he can use me in my singleness and yeah. say, like, hey, Mackenzie, like, we've got stuff to do. Yeah. And that has definitely helped with that season. And First Timothy 6, 6 says, I'm a godliness with contentment is great gain and I've definitely felt that like when that is that definition really of I'm standing in my calling I'm pursuing Jesus just hard and that contentment comes Mm -hmm. because all of a sudden there's just more things that are they're just things that are more important yeah um but you know as Leah had gone through that those waves and those high highs and low lows. And as I had gone through those things, what do you think? How do we maintain contentment? 
how do we maintain that, not just have that mountaintop experience and then just a week later be down in the dumps again? What does it practically look like? I mean, just like on a Thursday to trust God with our lives when it's not working out the way that we thought? It's mm, a good question. Thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, practically, I mean, that could look like just a simple acknowledgement every day that God hasn't changed, that yeah, his promises are, are still good, who he is is the same, um, that no matter your circumstances, that um, he's faithful to remain the same. So the same God that he was when you were on a mountaintop is the same God when you're going through, mm-hmm. you know, just the most challenging moments and that he's he's drawing near to you and that he's close to you and that he's not lofty and that he's not distant. Um, sometimes like I can, I can definitely get stuck in that and thinking he's so far away mm-hmm. um, when he's not. But um, also I would say like practicing prayer yeah. to me is really important. Um, even if it's just, you know, at, like on my lunch break, I'll just take like 10 minutes just, to acknowledge the presence of God and just have a point of connection. I think remaining connected is a way to experience contentment because if we're far away from him and we're not talking to him, um, he can't show us how to be content because he, he will do that. He will show you how to be content, um, in whatever season you're in, but you, you do have to draw near and you have to, you got to meet him. Yeah. You know, where he's asking. And he, and he'll draw near to you as James yeah. says. And I think it's, I, I really think practically it's three things. Um, it's the word of God. What are his promises? What has he actually promised to us? Mm-hmm. Because I think one of the things that we got, we get caught up in And again, some of that comes back to what we were talking about in the very beginning. Do we know his word? Do we know what he's already said? Because I I remember hearing a quote that said um, something about how we are always wanting God to speak when we constantly ignore what he's already said. And And the Bible is the revealed will of God. He has promises in there. There's so many times where we're like, God, what would you say about this? And we just keep praying for it. And he's just like, I've written it for you. (laughs) And it's right there. And so we got to know what are the promises of God? What has he already said? What has he already told us to do that we're not doing? Because we don't know the word. I mean, like write the word on your heart. It will change your life. I say it all the time and I truly believe it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because sometimes we get in our mind that, that God has promised something to us that he never promised. That he never promised. He just never exactly. promised it. And you think that he did because you saw it on Instagram. Yep. Because <laughs> it sounded nice. It sounded super good. I want to repost that. That's amazing. Yeah. God wants me to be happy. Mm. Is that what he promised? Like, take those things and hold it up to the light of the word of God. This is all about, like, really a lot of maintaining contentment is is about taking your thoughts captive and putting them under obedience to Christ and knowing what his will is and what his values are and how he would have you walk out your life and the way you can know that is through knowing his word yeah and when we don't know for sure when we see something 
that, you know, whether it's on social media or somebody says something to us and we're not sure what the truth is, we need to look. You cannot rely on just going to church and hearing about it from somebody as great as your pastor might be. You should know it yourself. You need to know the scripture. You need to write it on your heart. In whatever way that you can get that truth inside of you, it will come back out in the most desperate of times when you're feeling so disappointed. God will pull those promises back out. But you cannot bring to memory that which you have not put in there. And so that would be the first thing is the word of God, spirit of God. Prayer is so big and I struggle all the time with it and then realize like every time I pray and then God just is so faithful to meet me in that space that I'm like, why don't I do this all the time? Um, But prayer really and prayer is to is isn't to get something from God like when I'm really discontent like hey God I need you to give me this thing but rather it's to change my heart it's to change my perspective it's to change just my mind about things Mm -hmm. um, that God wants to speak into my heart and my mind and give me contentment because he he gives me a new perspective you know and so the the spirit of God comes within and we have we have the Holy Spirit inside of us that is going to speak to that and that when we don't know what to pray, he's going to pray on our behalf and he already is. Um, and that's a promise. Um, and then the last one, like Bailey mentioned, is the people of God. Surround yourself with the right people. Get a community group. Get people who love the Lord. Get people who are stronger in things that you want to grow in mm-hmm. and place them around you. You're not very good at praying. Be friends with somebody who is. You're not, or, or go to the prayer team at church. Assign yourself up to be the prayer team. You'll yep. get good at prayer because you'll have to. You know, you want to know the word, but you're kind of struggling. Like, get whatever resources you can. You have people around you. If you don't, like, let me know. I'll help you find the right resources. But you need community. You need people who can speak in your life, like Bailey was saying, who can see the lies, Mm -hmm. who can see the things that are going on and are willing to grab the shovel and start uprooting some things. Mm -hmm. And not just uprooting, but then pouring back in the life that needs to Mm -hmm. be there and will be willing to bring the life of Christ into your heart. So I think that's that's what I would say for contentment. Yeah. Um, What do you feel like, as we just kind of wrap up, Bailey, if you'd like to share just what's what's a current struggle where life feels really disappointing or like you're not measuring up and and what's something that you can find gratitude in the middle of it yeah um i would say in my life one of the things that i can kind of struggle with is i want to be i want to be where my working goal is so like For me, I want to be a school psychologist. Um, That's my end goal. And I want to be in school. I want to do that. Um, But right now, I'm in a season of working um, in a job that is... It's not what I want to do forever by any Mm -hmm. means. But it's something I'm being called to be faithful in. Mm -hmm. um, And to pour my heart into and to um, do all the things I need to do. But I often can be very discontent with 
the idea that like I should be doing more. I'm like, I should be doing more. I should be a school psych by the time I'm 25. Mm. You know, I should be finishing everything early because everything else in my life I have finished early. I finished high school early. I did early college. Um, I was always done with everything before my age. And that was always something I was really proud of. Um, and I feel like right now because I'm not in school again, Mm -hmm. I'm not doing a master's and PhD right now. Um, I, I definitely can struggle with that, but I am finding that all of these moments that I'm having with kids in the job that I have right now is sharpening me and is challenging me and kind of molding me into the person that I'm going to need to be when that time does come to pursue, you know, that field. Like that's Mm going to be something that's really going to, um, it's going to help me to be more compassionate and more understanding of people, um, in the position that I'm in right now. So Mm -hmm. just kind of walking, walking in faith, um, and knowing that if people are listening right now, like, and they want to pray for you, what's like one thing in that, (coughs) that you feel like you could use prayer in? Oh gosh. Um, man, just more patience. Mm -hmm. I would say I just, I'm always wanting, wanting the next thing. So just patience and, um, feeling that you know like everything's okay where I'm at and that I don't mm. need to be somewhere by a certain time mm-hmm. um, that's good yeah it's good I feel like for me um I'm in a season of I think it might actually for the last couple of months I've felt like just a lot of turmoil um mentally and I think what it actually might be is God just allowing a season to uproot everything and clean house. Um, Because I think I've been coping with a lot of things in my life that are just not necessary. And um, so I think the current struggle around that where it feels disappointing is that I feel like a lot of things out of control and uh, a lot of my thought processes particularly um I mean I I set a goal for this year a goal but like usually I have a word but this year it's a verse and it's take every thought captive and put it under obedience to Christ and uh immediately just fell apart mentally and so I feel like what I'm grateful for now um is I kind of struggled not silently but kind of silently for a couple of months um without putting everything out into the light and um about a week ago kind of was able to bring a lot of things to light um and it wasn't necessarily that things like I kind of knew what was going on in my mind I just felt so helpless Mm. and it wasn't, I I just felt like it was something I should have been able to handle mm. and that it wasn't that big of a deal and that if I shared it out, people would be like, I, why can't you just handle that? And so I think it's just, it's really disappointing to me to not be able to hold things together. That's really hard for me. Uh, and to not be in a place mentally um, where I feel stable and particularly stable enough to 
then take care of my people um, and instead be in a place where I feel really weak and where I feel like other people have to take care of me, which is really hard. Um, I'm super grateful that since kind of sharing a lot of those things that people have just like stepped right in and said like, nope, we're just, we're adjusting for this and this is not, like enemy is not taking you down. <laughs> so that's really, really good. I'm still kind of in the middle of it, but um, yeah, I don't really know how to explain that otherwise, but I'm just grateful that God really has placed a lot of resources and people in my life to shed light on what spiritual warfare in my life looks like right now. Mm. So that's kind of where I'm at. And if you're going to pray for me, just pray for um, just a stable mind and and just that I would be able to take thoughts captive and to acknowledge what what thoughts are ruling me and and what things are true and what things aren't true um just wisdom in that so anyways that that's kind of our discussion it was, yeah. our discussion's way longer than it was with the <laughs> group but but i loved yeah. chatting through those things hey you guys um grab a friend chat through some of those questions i'll put them in the show notes um and it's such a good thing to have these kinds of good questions over coffee and oh, kind yeah. of share your heart. Um, get, a, get a latte. Go deeper with someone, whether it's like a peer, somebody's a friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you mentor someone, that's something you can kind of ask them yeah. and help help grow them or for you to check in with somebody who might mentor you and uh, across generations. That's really, really important. So, hey, guys. Um have the best time have a great time connect with other people and um just enjoy your day and we love you and we are praying for each of you have a great one bye that's all i got (laughs) (laughs) What, what is it what is it what was it i was just can't see bible Mm -hmm. That was sick. I know.